What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Lone Wolf Podcast. I'm your host, Wolfson. And today's episode, we got a special guest in the building. That's right. He is well known in the Yu-Gi-Oh! community and as well in the YouTube channel. He's known as to be a well-known YugiTuber. That's right. One of the highest YugiTubers that you can find. YugiTuber is basically a YouTuber who actually focuses on his content on Yu-Gi-Oh! Which is one of the things I that I enjoy very much. Anyways, if you ever want to learn how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! or know what's going on in the Yu-Gi-Oh! community or in the market, he is definitely one of the Yu-Gi-Oh! tubers that you actually have to go. He is the one and only Alex Simo. Now, why is it that I'm interviewing Alex Simo? He's a Yu-Gi-Oh! player. He's a Yu-Gi-Oh! tuber. What's that got to do with what you're doing, Wolfson? Like, Wilson, what is it that you're doing? Like, this is not EDM related. This is not music related. This is not even film related. True. But you guys got to understand something. He is definitely a YouTuber and a well-known YouTuber, of course, in which he had a major success with his hobby for many, many years. And whether you want to accept it or not, the YouTube community is definitely part of the entertainment industry because there's definitely some aspects of entertainment that you go into YouTube. I mean... How many times have you been to one of your favorite YouTube channels and you feel entertained? Like whether it's a podcast, for instance, what I'm trying to do here, you know, or is some funny contents or some mystery contents or even music related contents, like even gaming content, like all that stuff can be found in YouTube. And you got to have to admit some of these people, they had to start from somewhere in order to reach for their goals for where they are right now, you know? So what better off is to ask somebody who's already there than a YouTuber that actually has been doing it and has continued to do it because his channel is on a rising success. I see no stop with him and I can't wait for him to reach his million goals. Now, the first part of the episodes, which is became a two-part episode. First, we started geeking out. We basically talk about video games and how he was part of a, a pro player team and how how what are our thoughts with some of our favorite video games and how we actually grew up with them and how we are mature and how we actually, you know, how we look at them in nowadays, you know. And then the second part is much more of the nitty-gritty part. We I definitely went in and asked a couple of questions and see the the who's and why's and how you get there and what do you got to do and what is what are the stops you know when is it that you get get into it you know we definitely talk about a little bit about Yu-Gi-Oh but it was all part of it because that's his thing and he basically tells you some of the important keynotes about like what is it that you got to do to start off your own YouTube channel or not just any YouTube channel, but anything that you want to do, just go ahead and start it. That's his mentality. And we actually went in delve about all that sort of stuff. It's definitely a geek episode. Anybody who doesn't want to listen to it, that's fine by me. I don't mind. But you get a, the sense of where I came from and what he's capable of. I understand that these two episodes are very geek-like and it's not very, you know, Wolfson-like. But I still have to bring out who I am. People need to know who I really am and where I came from and how I'm happy to be proud of doing all this sort of stuff. Now, however, the second episode, it's definitely an episode that you have to listen 
because it definitely tells you what it takes to be a YouTube channel uprising star. Now, be sure to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and of course, the YouTube channel at LoneWolfPod.com. That's LoneWolfPod.com, where you can check all my latest episodes. Any other episodes that you want to listen, you can always find uh, the audio version at Wolves and Music and any on my social medias, of course, and even on Twitch. Guys, help me spread this out. Help me spread the word of Wolfson, you know, basically about my podcast. I need you guys to help me out and let me get to the 100 subscribers at YouTube. Okay. If we do 100 subscribers on YouTube, I promise you, I'll make a I'll make a YouTube video explaining how to do all the tutorials of Ableton and sound design and whatnot. You know, you tell me what you want me to do with tutorials. I'll start making one. I promise you once we get to the 100 subscribers, I'll kick it right off. OK, so if you guys got anything else that you want me to know, any feedback, share specific experiences or specific topics that you want me to cover please let me know on the comments down below and always hit me up at wolves of music at any of my social media now without further ado let's get started this is the lone wolf podcast First things first man thank thanks again for for coming in over to my show man i appreciate yeah, for this sure. Absolutely, man. So obviously, we started this already, man. Welcome to the Lone Wolf Podcast, man. Thank you for coming in. Okay, for the listeners who don't know who you are, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Alex Simo, or Simo, uh, as most people might know me as. It's C I M O with seven extra O's after that. It's always eight O's. Don't forget it. And I run a Yu Gi Oh YouTube channel. Is there a story why there's a seven or eight O's in your CMO? Yeah. So it's funny because everyone thinks there's some hidden meaning to the O's, but it's purely down to the fact that when I created the channel, I wanted to be able to have the same name across all social media platforms. And so my last name is unique. And it's something that I've kind of got adorned the nickname just in high school, you know, when you're in uh, physical ed class when people are calling each other by their last name, but people would always yell my name from across the the yard just because it sounded fun. And so pretty much everyone would call me that. My closest groups of friends like still mm. call me that to this day. There's very few people who don't call me Simo, so I've just kind of gotten used to it. So I figured, okay, well, that's a perfect name to go with. That's unique enough. And so I started going on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all these things. And I just did it with one O and it was taken a bunch of places. Obviously, that's not like two. It's a somewhat common Italian last name. It's not super common, but it's not like rare or anything. So then I'm like, OK, well, what if I just add O's to like exact, like accentuate the like visual automatopoeia of people yelling SIBO from like across because it's like multiple O's like a comic book, right? Right. And so I did two O's and that was taken and I did like three, four, five, six, seven. And then finally eight O's was the least amount of O's required uh, that it worked across all platforms. And I'm like, all right, I'm going with eight O's. (laughs) So you're telling me that there was like more than one O already taken with your name on it? I don't understand it. Most of them, I think... 
I think four, five, six, and seven were actually all just on Twitter. And I it was just like these random accounts that I had like zero followers that had the name. So I was like, well, this is unfortunate. So yeah, but it is what it is. You know, it's it's become who I am over the years. So I got used to it. I mean, it actually goes with the whole Yu-Gi-Oh theme. I mean, you know, everybody knows Yu-Gi-Oh with Yu-Gi-Oh! Right. Exactly. Precisely. Precisely. I mean, if it works, hey, go with it, man. It just symbolized that. I thought, believe it or not, for some reason, I thought you had Simo because of the Yu-Gi-Oh content related. It's just like, no. oh. <laughs> it's funny, though, that you say that because... I could see why, and other people have said that as well, but primarily, no. It, it's it, it's just purely for just having it all across all the same platforms. And I guess good thing I did that, considering how much the channel's grown. Uh, funny enough, though, on Xbox Live, I am SEMO with nine O's because someone took SEMO with eight O's. I uh. didn't think about this. And I was like, oh, damn, that's annoying. So I decided, okay, well, I'll just do SEMO with nine O's and no one will question it. But I, I don't play Xbox that much anymore. But uh, yeah, it's SEMO with nine O's if you ever happen to randomly see me on anything. Nice. When was the last time you actually played some Xbox? Oh, God, dude. It's been... <sighs> I think the last time I played Xbox was the Modern Warfare beta like two years ago. I think that was... My Xbox is right here. It is right <laughs> under this desk. It's plugged in. Right. It works. I just don't ever touch it anymore. I used to play Xbox all the time. That was my life growing up in high school. And I don't know. I've just I just like grown out of it, I guess. You know, it's very funny that you say that because I got my Xbox right there in the closet. Mm -hmm. And the only gates I have from Xbox is just basically Gears and Halo. Like, I mean, those, those are two of the big ones. <laughs> I mean, there's no other games that I got from the Xbox series, unfortunately. But I'm more of a PlayStation guy. I mean, I get sure. all the games from the PlayStation. And I got to admit, like some of the exclusives that PlayStation have that are much more far better than Xbox. I mean, Xbox, in my opinion, the only two exclusives that I can see, like it's a big deal that I, okay, I need to get an Xbox is Halo and Gears. Sure. Is there any other that you can think of that I'm actually missing? No, don't count Fable. Fable's a masterpiece. Don't worry. Yeah, fair, fair. Nothing else I could really think of. Honestly, one of the biggest reasons why I'm on Team Xbox is because that's pretty much just what I grew up playing with my friends. Mm. They, I think they had Xboxes at first, and so then I just got one because they had one. We played a lot of Halo growing up, and then Call of Duty subsequently after that. Also, one thing that I think, this is obviously subjective, but I much prefer Xbox's controller to PlayStation. I yeah. feel like Xbox has a heavier controller, and it just fits my hands a lot more comfortably. That's obviously player preference, depending on who you ask, mm. and there's obviously like different controller types you can get now, but back in the day, I was like the feel of the Xbox controller better than a PlayStation controller. It just felt more natural to me. The PlayStation controller, just like I could never comfortably hold it for long periods of time. That's very interesting that you say that because I, as a PlayStation head, when I got the PlayStation 5 and got the controller, it actually feels a whole lot more better than the previous controllers that I had. And it's because okay. they, they basically took the same design concept as the as the Xbox. And there was another there was another game system that had the same control. Well, it was Xbox and 
I think I think like the the Nintendo. Do you remember when Nintendo Switch has the Nintendo Pro controllers? Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So they took some of those concepts and then they made it on the PlayStation. And I mean, let me show you. It's right here. Yeah, so, I remember. I remember seeing when they came out with the the PS5 controller. I've never held one to be honest. I actually don't even know if any of my friends own PS5s. Funny enough, I'd have to ask them. But yeah, I mean, it, it could be good now. I have no idea. But back in the day, you know, back when yeah, it was back. just PS3 versus Xbox 360. Uh, that's what. I'm referring to <laughs> those not the original the original Xbox controller was way too bulky that thing was a disaster <laughs> did you know that I actually prefer all the original Xbox over the 360 interesting interesting and the reason why I say that is because I feel like the original Xbox had a very superior processor and have better game variety than the 360 had and I'm not knocking out 360 out. It's just that to, for me to consider a good game console is that if you don't fuck up, like nothing's Fair. wrong with it. And Fair. the 360, I had I had to return the 360 to Microsoft like four times because of the Red <laughs> Ring of Death. Oh, really? I had mine, I think, Red Ring only once. And then I got a new one that was fixed where it couldn't red ring because I had one of the newer models. Right. I, I will say if we're going to be going down this console war route, because it seems like that's where we're going. Yeah. Uh, Xbox <laughs> Live had the better online service, like without a doubt, like PSN may be better now. But back in the day, 360 or uh, Xbox Live was way better than PSN. I'm sorry. That wasn't even close. Connectivity wise. Xbox had the better service online. The the reason I say PSN back then, I know it was it's not as good as it is right now, but back then, the only thing I knew about the PSN when the PlayStation 3 arrived, it's it was just free to play online. Like I didn't have the subscription as Xbox did. Like it's you you know, in order for you to play it live, you need to get the Xbox Live and then you can sure. play online. So the PlayStation 3 didn't have that concept. It was probably a little bit later on down the road to the PlayStation 4. Right. When they decided to do that subscription base as well. But hey, I always go with the free stuff, you know? I don't of know. Of course. You. Of course. <laughs> I think it was just, uh, it was an incident though, if you get what you pay for, right? Because yeah. I felt like because you were paying for the online service, they didn't care about it as much. And so I just know when I would play online games with my friends who did have PS3s and everything, it was just, it was terrible. It was, it was almost unplayable. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, again, personal opinion. Right, but right, right. I think, I think in terms of the controller, and connectivity mm. and Halo. I think those are like the three things Xbox has over PlayStation. I, I'm I used to be super, super into like console wars and everything like that. Right. But as I've matured and gotten older, I am much more equal in terms of having my feet in both camps because both offer a lot in terms of right. what they do best and obviously have their own shortcomings as well. Um, I mean, I sometimes get into the console wars and then sometimes I forget. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I got both systems. What the fuck am I complaining? <laughs> That's like the thing, right? If you have both, especially because most people back in the day, like you have to think back in like the, the 90s or maybe like the early 2000s. Yeah. A, a lot of people, their one console might have been like all they could afford, right? So they pretty right. much had to enjoy it because maybe they got it as a Christmas gift or something. And like that was what they just grew up playing. But I think as gaming matured and it became more mainstream, people started acquiring multiple consoles. People mm -hmm. were able to have a 360, a PS3, and a Wii 
and you could just play all and enjoy everything. You didn't have to yeah. choose at that point. And obviously, you know, that is a still a minority of people because most people only had a single console. But I think that's what kind of drives the tribalism is that if you got one and that was what you were stuck with, well, you just kind of had to like it because otherwise you were kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I didn't look at it at that perspective. You know, I just thought, you know, like I, I'm, I was all about the games like, sure. oh, this game wasn't this console. Shit, I gotta get this console, you know? Right. Like, right. I can't play Super Mario 64 on a PlayStation 1, you know? Right. So I so I was all about the games, you know? Give me the games. It looks cool. I want to play it. Oh, my God. My friends has it. I need to have it. So that's where I go to consoles. And then, then from then on, I was like, all right, one year I got the PlayStation. Next year, I got the Xbox. Next year, right. I got the whatever Nintendo always throws around. Like, it's like the... The DS, the, you know, out of the Nintendos, I only got, I can tell you, I think I only got the free consoles, the 64, the Switch, and the, and the Wii. Interesting. Because Interesting. I, I had Game Boys all around because of, right. because of Pokemon. Of course, Pokemon was like the reason to have a Game Boy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, I had the Game Boy Color, Ooh. I remember, right Which, out of the gates. That was nice. Which color you had? It was just like the the purple one. The I had the purple one. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had the purple. I had the purple one that was like the purple translucent yeah. one, though. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it I, wasn't like the solid purple. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then I didn't get an advanced. I went straight to the SP, mm. which I actually liked the SP a lot better. Anyway, just because it was backlit, and I liked how like portable it was because you could just flip it and it was super compact and it fit in your pocket pretty easily. That was kind of neat. And then. I'm pretty sure at some point I upgraded to a DS. And so, yeah, it's those are some of my first consoles because uh, actually, funny enough, my first ever game console was a Sega Genesis 3. Of all things. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And I didn't get a console after that until the GameCube. I think the year the GameCube came out. So I missed Whoa. the N64. I missed the PlayStation 1. I missed everything in between. And it was really funny because I guess my parents say that when I was little, people would be talking about video games and like N64, PS1 stuff. And I would just in inject myself into the conversation and just be like, oh, yeah, on my Sega Genesis 3, you know, I was like, I just thinking I was like hot shit just having this console, not realizing that there was other newer consoles that existed. What was the Sega one then? The Saturn at that point was out? Yeah, the Saturn. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I thought I was hot shit. I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. My Sega Genesis 3 and my parents were just like face palming. So uh, and then I finally got the GameCube. I actually have like a very fond memory of the GameCube because I think it was for Christmas. And I believe I was oh, oh. God, how old was I? maybe like 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12. I don't remember, but I remember which house I was in. But I remember just going down the stairs on Christmas morning and yeah. it was just in this bag, like the, the, you have the backlit ambient light of the Christmas tree and there was a, one of the bags was there and had the tissue paper and like you could see the GameCube logo like sitting just like right on top. And I remember it was just like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. And then, oh man, there was, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it came with Mario Kart Double Dash which Double Dash is fantastic game. Great game. I really wish they would bring back the Double Dash mechanic. That was really cool. So there was that. Mainly. I don't remember what other games I got initially, but so Metroid Prime, oh. I remember. Metroid Prime, that oh. is probably my top three games of all time. Metroid Prime is that is like a masterpiece of a game. It is so great. I know for sure, like my cousin, he, 
every time I went to his place, like he had the GameCube and he's always playing Metro Prime, like nonstop on the GameCube. It, it's either that one or if we play together, then it's Super Smash Melee. Yep. Melee. And, mm-hmm. and he, Sunshine, but I didn't get into Sunshine, Super Mario Sunshine. I wasn't really into Sunshine either. Weird, weird thing is I'm not really into like the Mario games all that much. Paper mm-hmm. Mario. I'll mess with Paper Mario. That game's awesome. Really? Uh, but yeah, like the OG Mario games like Sunshine and all the... I, I'm just not really a fan of them. I was always a Sonic person, I think from the Genesis. So I think that's why. <laughs> I just love that, uh, that Sonic's games are just like way faster yes. paced. So I think I just really gravitated more towards that. Yes. Uh, Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure Woo! 2 Battle on go! GameCube. Oh go! my God. Those Talk games. about it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I would spend countless hours trying to just 100% both of those games. Oh, my God. I love... You know what? I love that Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 from the second mm-hmm. Dreamcast. When I had the Dreamcast... Right, Cast, right. Because they were first on the Dreamcast yeah, and, and then they ported them. Yeah, and yeah. they added more content. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I, I got mad because I didn't have the place... I didn't have the GameCube. And when I saw that they added more the director's cut for the first adventure and then the, the battle on the second, more content to it. I was like, God damn it. Why couldn't oh. they have that from the get-go? <laughs> no, they got me. I got to buy this now. <laughs> no, I didn't fell for that one. Not, not for that one, at least. Not I that said, one. I said, like, you know what? Let me get the Wii. Let me get the Wii and I'll, I'll get those. And then Fair. I Fair. got the Wii and I got those games for five bucks each. GameStop. I think they ported Sonic Adventure 2 onto Xbox. And I remember as soon as that happened, I bought that and just played the hell out of it. <laughs> it was so, that was a great Bruh. week. I know, I remember because they did it import it to PlayStation 3. Oh, Both really? First uh, one oh. and second one. Oh, well, I guess that's another check in the Xbox, Cal. <laughs> I mean, check one for the PS3 because thank God they had it too. Yeah. But I was just super happy when I saw it. I was like, 10 bucks? Fuck yeah. Let, let me purchase this shit. Yeah, I, that's a great throwback. Absolutely. And and it was those, the, the GameCube version, you know, the yep. director's ads cut and the battle. I was like, as soon as I would start playing it, I was just like a little fanboy. Go like, <laughs> oh yeah, that t- at that time my ex girlfriend she was just like, "What is wrong with you? Why do- why are you playing this? This look at the graphics, it's so bad and bull." It's like, <laughs> no wonder she's my ex, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, the music in Sonic games just like kicks ass. It's so good. Do you know that I still listen to those songs to this day? Oh yeah, I will too. Yeah, I it's the band is called Crush 40. Okay, that's how much I know about their music. Like I I, follow those and then I have that. um, Sometimes when I feel like, man, I want to listen to some animation songs or whatnot. Yeah, I just put the playlist and then all of a sudden the Sonic Adventure 2 and the one. And I was just like, yes, anyone who's watching this or listening to this either way right now, just look up Sonic Adventure 2 battle soundtrack and listen to any song in there. And those songs just shred. They're so good. And if you guys are thinking about playing some beer pongs or stuff like that that involves with (laughs) beer and whatnot, I recommend you guys listen to those songs because that shit is going to hype you up big time. Oh, yeah. For real. Oh, yeah. Damn, bro. Like, you, you actually took me back to memory lane, man. Back in those yep. good old days with Sonic and the GameCubes and the Playstations. Gee, 
I remember you mentioned that you were actually a pro gamer back in the day. I wouldn't call myself a pro gamer, <laughs> but something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, like my friends and I, it, this goes back to the whole Halo Call of Duty-esque era we alluded to earlier. But yeah, my friends and I, we, we played some semi-competitive, I'll say, mm. uh, like minor league competitive like tournament level play just and we we were just like really good and it was it, it was just an absolute blast i love just like how with Yu-Gi-Oh specifically i love just taking the game down to a science that's essentially what i exactly would do with those games as well right. because knowing like the exact damage that each weapon does from each range and just knowing all like the little intricate things you can do to just improve your gameplay that that's just what i lived for back then and it was, it's funny because even prior to doing anything YouTube related, I always wanted to make Call of Duty or Halo uh, YouTube content because there were mm. like, just plenty of creators at the time from like, you know, the OG days who would make content like that. Like some of the first people when, uh, you, you, like when Hapog, you know, was like the go to brand for capture cards and, you know, the like. Like anyone who knows what I'm talking about will get that. But, you know, it, it's, it's just a different time, and it, it, it's something that I really cherish in my memory because it, it, it's so much fun. And even now, if I go back to either of those games, it, it it's like a reunion, right? It's like I've I've like lived in these spaces in these games for so long that I could probably like draw them blindfolded at this point. Uh, it, it, it's it's so mathematical, just being able to dissect every little thing about it, and I I just loved it. That's that's how my brain operates, and so the fact that I got to use it in that way was just a ton of fun. I actually almost went into specifically becoming a uh, video game level designer solely based off of how much like I loved playing those games and understanding the geometry and the spaces of like where multiplayer arenas where people play against each other. And I would actually spend countless hours in uh, Halo's Forge mode when they made it in Halo 3. Uh, it was a lot better in Reach because you could snap items together and didn't have to glitch Oof. them together <laughs> like in Oof, 3. Right. But, uh, but no, I would just spend hours making different uh, multiplayer maps and basically my friends would like beta test them. And I remember there was one I made that almost replicated exactly what the dormitory space looked like at my college. And it actually ended up being this map that like a lot of people throughout the school really enjoyed because it's funny because everyone knew it because it's like where they lived. But it actually ended up making for this very fun and entertaining uh, way to play like Halo multiplayer that we ended up playing that a lot. That actually kind of like, I wouldn't say it went viral, but it went viral within like the circle of, uh, of my school. And so that was just being able to like do all that. That's, I just love being able to deep dive stuff like that. And how, how long was that that you play competitively like that? Like competitively, competitively probably didn't start until, man, that's a tough one. That long? I want to say like, Modern Warfare 2, Halo 3 days. Oh, wow. So maybe 2009-ish. Right. And then we circled back to COD 4 as well, but Modern Warfare 2 was like the new thing at the time. But then we still had the greater appreciation for COD 4, which I still think is the better game. Modern Warfare 2 has like way too many flaws, but it's a fantastic game. It's just the amount of flaws it has really hold it back, I feel like. Really? Uh, the... Yeah, so like I think 2009-ish, and then it kind of led into like the Black Ops 2 era. I think that mm. was like our peak because Black Ops 2 really, Treyarch at the time really wanted to like actually just support 
competitive like esports at the time before yeah. esports were really as mainstream as they are by integrating like competitive game modes directly into the game instead of having to go to like game battles and do stuff like that. And uh, I mean, at one point in there, we were like in the top like 0.0% of like people uh, in the world at that point, just in, just on that ladder, obviously that's like pubs. So that doesn't mean a lot, but, uh, you know, it's still, it's still something, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, that's really where we felt like we were like at our best. And so, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's just great memories. What, what actually stopped you for pursuing that? It was, it was more so that we were kind of just getting like too competitive, which mm. sounds really stupid. But we were getting like more competitive and kind of starting to like take shots at each other. And oh. we just didn't like uh, how we were th the type of people we were becoming really just because it's like it was affecting our friendship mm. more than anything. So we just decided that we just wanted to stop because we just enjoyed playing the game and enjoyed playing it with each other. And as much as it's fun, it is to win at the same time. We didn't feel that it was worth like ruining our friendship over it. So You know, we would still just like stomp people all day and night, but we just weren't as serious as we were before. So, I mean, we're still all friends. So clearly that was the better idea. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the best choice, yeah. right? Right. I mean, wow, bro. You say more or less started when Modern Warfare 2 and like at your peak was Black Ops 2. So you got like a good, what, five, almost a decade of, of competitive playing? Uh... Modern Warfare 2, then Black Ops 1, then Modern Warfare 3, then Black Ops 2. So like four years, I would say. Okay. Yeah, because we probably, we definitely stopped after Black Ops 2. And that's like about where I started like kind of drifting out of my video game phase more specifically. So yeah, like four good years, I would say. And that's like, it started around Modern Warfare 2. I think Modern Warfare 2 is really what sparked it. Well, right. no, uh, Halo 3 really sparked it for us. And then modern, we also we already loved Call of Duty 4. Then Modern Warfare 2 came out, and then that just kind of kept fueling it. And so then it just kept going from there, really. Uh, Black Ops 1 was also a very big peak time as well. Modern Warfare 3 sucked. We hated that game. That's when we went back to <laughs> that's when we went back to COD 4 and really just started mastering COD 4. Because like right. COD 4 was sort of the the baby that we grew up with the whole yeah. time. And so That was where we kind of got our bearings. And then Modern Warfare 2 is where we really got to excel. And then so then we got to take everything that we learned up to Black Ops 1 and then just apply it back to COD 4, which just kind of just reinvigorated my love for it, really. Because I, I hold COD 4 on the highest pedestal. Like that game's not perfect by any means, but there is something just so classic about it. And They, the newer modern versions of these games have just never been able to recapture that for me. Black Ops 2 actually is the closest that any of those games in the franchise have come. I thought Black Ops 2 was going to uh, like take it over, mm -hmm. honestly, but uh, it, it's, it's just not COD 4. I don't know what it is. It's just like COD 4 is my baby. You know what it is? I feel like COD 4 is basically like what started more online shooting. Like It did. I mean... It, it truly revolutionized how modern shooters are. And I mean, yeah. most modern like arena shooters are based off of COD 4. Prior to COD yeah. 4, you didn't have these RPG elements integrated into the no. game where you had like an experience bar and challenges and ranking up in this sort of way to almost make it like an RPG as well as a shooter. You had these perks that allowed you to like customize your character and make it like somewhat unique and you could like min-max the whole system. Whereas Halo 
everyone was on equal footing, right? Halo is more about power positions as well as knowing the weapon spawns and different things like that. Where COD took it in a different direction because you felt you had more agency over how you played because you could have different classes for different scenarios that could allow you to basically navigate different environments. If you feel that you know a team is doing one thing, you can switch classes to help adapt to what that other team is doing. You don't really have that in Halo, right? You kind of just had what they gave you to start with. And obviously, even Halo changed because Halo Reach, I believe, was after three. Yeah. And that they allowed you in Reach to start having uh, the different powers like the jetpack and the armor lock and stuff. And you could even change your starting weapon like, uh, uh, you know, DMR or different things like that. So, I mean, even games like Halo took inspiration from, excuse me, Call of Duty in that way. And so it, it, I, I think it's just because of the legacy that the game left on the shooter franchise uh, maybe that's just what it is. I don't know. I mean, or maybe it's just my memories of it as a kid. You know, no, it's maybe it's just like ingrained into me right. and there's really nothing else I can do about it. No, you're not far from it. I mean, I will say that Halo, the first Halo game is, I always say that it's the first shooter game that like revolutionized shooter genre all around. Like sure. once Halo got out there, like everybody want to go the same style as Halo, you know? Right. It's like it's the game, the baby. And then they modern warfare came and then it's just another monster that took over. It was like because everybody loved Halo, but you gotta remember Halo's much more futuristic scene, and everybody was more like, I love the future stuff, but I wanna fuck more with what's happening now. And then the right. previous previous Call of Duty games wasn't cutting it because it was all you know, past all world wars, right? You know, all old right. style shootings and whatnot. So when Modern Warfare came with the actual shootings and actual style, that that's where everybody like, oh my god, this is awesome. And I think right. that's, that was, I feel like they did such a perfect game in the first Call of Duty Modern Warfare that they raised the bar so high that they try, they try so hard to top it that it shot short on any of them. Like, Modern Warfare 2 was probably the closest. I would say Black Ops 1 and 2 got there too. Yeah, I, I can agree with World War, um, Black Ops 3 and 4 and the Modern Warfare 3, Ghost. Personally, I love Ghost. I, I don't know why everybody hates Ghost, but I can see why. But I don't know why you like it, but that's fine. <laughs> we, could, we could discuss it. I mean... The only reason I love Ghost, it's because of the extinction. That's it. I, I guess. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Like, compared to the zombie levels that we get from Black Ops or the War at Wars, like, extinction was probably something new to me that was like, holy shit, I'm actually fighting fucking aliens. I'm not shooting zombies. They're less It's annoying. funny, though, because you said you're not super into the, the sci-fi stuff, but then you like that. So that's like an interesting uh, correlation there. I'm but a- I... I I agree with you, though. I feel as though COD 4 might have been the first modern shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it wasn't World War II and it wasn't, you know, 2098 or whatever it is. Right. I don't know. But it was just, it was tangible, right? Because yeah. it was realistic. You could see yourself actually being in these sort of environments. And mm-hmm. it obviously was a fictitious story, but it still replicated real world tensions between you know the u.s and the arabs and the russians and different Mm -hmm. things like that so it's like you could see those sorts of events and i didn't care about any of this when i was younger but 
but you could you could still see something like that unfolding in the real world. Like it's realistic. And to Modern Warfare 2's credit, Modern Warfare 2, I would say, did everything that Call of Duty 4 did, but better. But the problem is, is that there were so many things that were broken about the game that I feel like it just knocked down mm. a peg for me. Like, for instance, the one-man army noob tubing, that was something that should have just never existed in the game. And it, even to this day, they never fixed it. It's something that could have been patched, but they never decided to. That Once people discovered that, that almost just entirely ruined that game forever. Uh, but then, like, the just sheer amount of game-breaking glitches. I actually really loved about Modern Warfare 2 that they went with this game design philosophy of everything is overpowered. Mm. Well, like, every single gun in that game is, yeah. like, bonkers. Like, yeah. there's, like, maybe two guns in that game that are, like, almost unusable because everything else's power level is so far through the roof. But... I think that's what makes it fun, right? It's super high octane. And then when you have like the Harriers and the chopper gunners and the AC-130s, it's just like this nonstop adrenaline rush that, yeah. again, Call of Duty 4 introduced kill streaks and it was just 357. It was pretty straightforward. But then in this game, it's like, oh man, a little helicopter. How about a chopper gunner? How about an AC-130? You know, it's just nuke? like, right. How about a nuke? Like it just takes it over the top. So they, made they took what was great about cod and make it made it even better i felt but i feel like there were so many things that went wrong with the game that for me it just it's still a fantastic game and it's like super super close it's like it's like this but yeah. it's just it's just a nudge under for me even the, and again like cod 4 isn't perfect either like there's plenty of flaws with that game but for whatever reason i feel like it's just a more well-rounded game because it just in totality, it's just better. Can you name like a few of the things that you did not like about Modern Warfare 2 that you thought they could have improved? Like I said, one-man army noob tubing, that should yeah. never have existed. They should have just patched one-man army to either only work one time or make it so that one-man army takes up your... Uh, like, you can't use a noob tube and uh, one-man army simultaneously. There's multiple ways they could have done it. They just never cared to do it. But that was just atrocious. There were so many just different types of glitches. I remember there was like glitches to spawn yeah. uh, infinite uh, care packages and emergency airdrops, which I'm not saying I didn't exploit or anything while they were allowed, but it, like, it, it was just, it was ridiculous, right? And it's just these super random memories that we have. Like, I remember like when I was just exploiting the emergency airdrop glitch, there'd be times where I felt bad for the enemy team that were just stopping them. I'm like, I'm going to throw you guys a few uh, airdrops. You guys some, can have some packages to make it even just to make it even more chaotic so that was fun there was the uh commando the knifing perk Ugh. that that perk was just Ugh. disgusting like that should not have been anywhere yeah. nearly as powerful as it I was i hate it yeah i hate um, it to my core death streaks i think conceptually aren't a bad idea but i think like painkiller as an example is awful Painkiller should never have existed. Final Stand is probably more infuriating than Painkiller, I think. So that's another one. I think Copycat as a death streak is actually fine because it allows you to access like high tier gear if you're a low level. So yeah, I think that's, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, and what was the... Oh, Martyrdom was the third one. I hated Martyrdom and COD 4. That's you know going back to where COD 4 sucks. But... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But Martyrdom was almost like a skill test, right? Because when you were really bad at the game, Martyrdom was a problem. 
But once you got really good at it, martyrdom was never an issue because you knew how to play around it and you knew how to like, you knew how to just be able to like dodge it so you didn't get hit. And sometimes there's like still nothing you could do, but they made it a death streak in Modern Warfare 2 and frag grenades in that game sucked anyway. So most of the time, like it didn't even matter, but still just conceptually, I didn't like death streaks. I felt like they were fine, but they should have been done differently. Like I, again, copycat, I think was good. The other ones, I think, were just way too powerful to award you something for like doing poorly. Obviously, I'm not a fan of, of that type of mechanic. And then what else? Like I said, there was just plenty of glitches that were just so abusable in the game. And it seems like every time a glitch got patched, there were like three more that got discovered. And you just had to <laughs> suffer through those exploits <laughs> until they got patched. And it just sucked. You know, it was just yeah. terrible. So, yeah, it is what it is. And I, I feel like games nowadays like overbalance and like overpatch. But obviously, it's different like when the game is like not functional, right? When people are like exploiting things, that's different than like a balance patch. I don't think that's the same thing. You know that um, for Call of Duty, a Modern Warfare 2, it's actually my, it was probably the first time that I played multiplayer. Okay. Overall. Because I was never into a multiplayer. And to be fair, at that time, I didn't have anybody around me that was very geeky like me or have people to to go play multiplayer. Sure. I have my cousins, but, you know, they're, I lived in Puerto Rico. They lived here. And, you know, sometimes our hours are probably a little bit the same. And sometimes there aren't. And they got stuff and I got nothing. And, you know, so I, I just basically enjoyed the, the campaigns of all these games and Modern Warfare 2 was probably the first time I did multiplayer just, you know, to see what's up. And then from there on, I, I just started to play any other multiplayer game that I can on the PlayStation. What are your thoughts on all these campaign games from the from the Call of Duty franchise? They're fine. I was never really... In, I, I actually really like, of course, I really liked Call of Duty 4's campaign. Just, again, just my baby. So right. that's probably why. The later iterations of Modern Warfare campaigns were actually kind of whatever. I didn't really care for them too much. The Black Ops ones were actually a lot of fun. Yeah. I thought like Black Ops 1's campaign, especially just because it was based off of Cold War yeah. stuff, I thought it was actually really well done. I, I think Treyarch just in general is a better uh, development team for storytelling. At least they used to be. So they just typically... I typically never cared about the campaign unless it was a Treyarch game, mostly. Really? Yeah, I, I was a big like achievement whore back in the day. So like okay. I would play it just to get all the achievements. But mm -hmm. aside, I, I just like would not care about anything they were talking about. Okay, that's fair enough. What about the the other games? Have you have you been very competitive with Gears? No, uh, <laughs> funny enough, we did do a tournament for Gears one time. Gears is Gears is so clunky. That's what I don't think I like about it competitively. Like you're basically having to like if you're not a pro at wall bouncing and doing all these like super advanced techniques, it's very difficult. Like the skill gap to be good in gears is actually very great, I feel. And obviously if you practice it, you can get better at it, but I never really enjoyed gears from like a competitive standpoint. Like I was like playing it just like casual multiplayer and like with friends, but mm. Never like super hardcore competitive because I, I just could not do what these crazy actions that some of these people could do when they're just like bouncing and sliding all over the map like they're just like out of their minds. It's just like nuts. Right. Horde mode though. Horde mode was... That was insane. Uh, horde mode with friends and you just have like some beers and yeah. you know just some like pizza or something. Like that's like, that's memories right there. I think for my friend's birthday when Gears of War 2 had just come out, 
we stayed up all night. There was like eight of us and we were like rotating controllers because you can only play like four people at a time. We were, we stayed up all night trying to beat all 50 waves of Horde for the first time. And we all suck it at, at, at this point. Like this is like only like, I think three of us had played Gears 1 and so, like, you could just imagine how bad this was. This was. <laughs> and so, like, it was, like, four in the morning, and we beat the final wave, the 50th wave of Horde, and Jesus. we all just screamed at the top of our lungs. We're like, we did it! <laughs> God, it was a blast. Ah, uh, fun memories. You know, when you used to go to your friend's house and then just play video games all the way till 4 or 5 a.m., and you're like, oh, my God, it's, it's almost morning. No, it yeah. is morning. Yeah, uh, those are good, the good old days, man. I love them, man. Uh, what other Xbox games that you say that you fairly remember that you like? Oh, you enjoyed it very much. Oh man, there's probably a few. I'd have to think back. Fine, I'm a huge Final Fantasy person. That obviously is more in the PlayStation domain, but uh, I mean, they did. Well, they had 13 on Xbox and all the 13. I mean, and like 13 was like, whatever. It was okay. Uh, eh. So that well, was that was one. And I'm just going to pull up my old like Xbox account and just look. Because like, <laughs> it's been so long. I don't even remember. <laughs> then it was that long. You haven't played an Xbox game? What? That was shocker, right? Simo, former pro player, you know? Yeah. From pro player to no player. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever enjoy the the remake of Modern Warfare? Oh, the the remake of COD Four. Yeah, like like the with the newer graphics that that was released right. two years ago. I was super excited for it because it was just supposed to be revitalized, like mm -hmm. updated graphics. Cause COD four was released in what? 2007, I think maybe 2006. It's like ancient at this point. Yeah. It was like seven uh, or eight or something like that. Yeah. 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 So I was super excited for it, but then they started, unfortunately tarnishing it by adding in microtransactions and adding uh, in like DLC guns. And that really ruined it for me because I felt that it wasn't the same game anymore. Mm. They just changed it into something else. And obviously it was just a cash grab, which sucks. I actually think they initially said they weren't going to do microtransactions for it, but then they you know, doubled back and obviously changed their mind when they realized how much money they could make. So it's unfortunate. Uh, I do like the better graphics because I think the graphics of the maps and everything are how I envisioned the game would look or how I imagine it looking when I was, you know, 14 or 17, however old I was back then. Uh, so I'm like, oh, this is so cool because they had like actual smoke effects that worked and different things like that. Right. Uh, just different particle effects and better lighting in some of the areas and such. It, it just wasn't the same. It, it was like scratch the itch if I wanted to play it. It just wasn't the same. I, mm. there, there's like this gritty, dirty look to COD 4 that I really appreciate and I feel like only if you've played both games you understand what I mean. I don't yeah. know what it is. It's a, it seems like the newer ones like too polished. Mm. Honestly, I only bought the game for the campaign because I'm a campaign driven player. Like I sure. could, I could sure. care less about, you know, multiplayer right now. At this point, right. I don't play multiplayer. I don't really don't care much. I just like to play a game and enjoy the story and enjoy the fighting, you know? Sure. So 
when I played the Modern Warfare, I was like, you know what? I love this story, you know? And somehow, it's just like, it goes, it circles back to the original. Right. It just somehow right. just like connects from whatever happened here to the original. And then yeah. I can say like, oh shit, if if you guys are making a Modern Warfare 2 with this graphics, then I'm ready. I'm ready to get soap. I'm ready to get Roach. I'm ready to get Ghost. I'm ready to get everybody. <laughs> yes, let's Go. So, have are you ever been a campaign driven play person? Yeah, like Halo's campaign. Like, I mean, I, I loved Halo's campaign as much as I did the multiplayer. I mean, it's and I'm not. I'm like you. I'm not super into sci-fi related lore at all. I think it's incredibly boring. Mm. But Halo was actually a lot of fun, and I think they still did it in a way that it wasn't too intangible. And I'm not sure how I'm. I'm not sure how they did it, but for whatever reason, like I really did appreciate the Halo story and everything. Some games, I mean, yeah, like I love like, you know, other RP. I finally got into my Xbox account, by the way. Oh. Uh, so uh, I played other games like uh, a lot of just RPGs like uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion and Skyrim. Ooh. Like, Ooh. oh God, I went Ooh. deep on those games. Ooh. Yeah, those were good. I also like playing games that just piss me off like Super Meat Boy. <laughs> those are also fun. <laughs> You know what's a pissed off game for me? Any sports game. I I was just never really into sports games. I guess I always felt I'd rather just play the sport in real life than play the sports game. <laughs> I mean, do you want to play football in real life? I mean, I did for a very short period of time. I've played like every sport for a oh. short or long period of time to some degree. So, I mean... I'd rather just play like flag football with my friends at the park or something oh, than play okay. like virtual football if I was going to. I hate football, but I mean, if, if we're going down that route. Those, I don't know what is it with those, you know, and, re and funny enough, it's it all relates to EA. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's maybe because I hate EA. Maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's why because it need for speeds from EA, right? I do not know. Hold on. Let me fact check that right now. Hold on. I got it right here on my computer. Yeah. It's electronic arts. Oh, okay. That's why that's why I hate it so much. Everyone's listening to this like, no duh, it's EA. And I'm just like, I'm a boomer. I don't know these things anymore. Yeah, guys, take it easy on us, you know, when it comes to these games, all right? Yeah, we're old. Yeah, we're relatively old. Well, I'm I don't know how old are you, but I'm I'm in my thirties right now. <laughs> I'm I'm late twenties, so I'm almost there with you. Oh, it's okay. You you'll be fine, man. Thirty thirty is the new twenty, so they say. Fair. There. <laughs> so uh, Resident Evil, Resident Evil oh, 4 specifically. Yeah. I was super into that. Absolutely. Resident, Resident Evil 4 might be in like top five games of all time. That that is that game is like almost a masterpiece of how well that game is designed. I and you know what? L let's circle back again to the to what I told you. Like they that Activision put a high pedestal on COG for that the rest of the other CODs didn't quite match up to it or were relatively close. I felt like Resident Evil 4 was the same with Capcom. Like Capcom yep. put R4 so high that it fell short with five sits and and any other one, you know? Right. Five was actually pretty good. I think people give a lot of flack to five, but it was just a different four. I felt like it pretty much did a lot of the things that four did. Uh, just differently. It allowed you to play a co-op, which is something you yeah. couldn't do with with RE4, which is something I appreciated because you know you could actually play it with friends. That was fun. Yeah. But I, just something about 
RE. I don't know what it is. Again, it's just a lot of the game design mechanics were so unique. I loved how your inventory was a briefcase yeah. and you could expand the briefcase and you had to like make your items fit in the briefcase. Something about that I just fell in love with. I don't know what it was. And also just like the weapon upgrade system as well. Just how you could upgrade the capacity, the the firepower, the, the uh, just whatever with yeah. each of the weapons. And again, RE5 and the later ones also do that. But it was just, it was so cool. It, it was something that really, not even just that genre, but a lot of genres hadn't really done at that point. I agree. So, yeah. The, the only problem, I loved RE5. The only problem I felt with RE5 is that you took away the RE element, which is the scary factor. Right. It was more of like an action game yeah. than like a horror game. Right. I agree with that. I yeah, enjoy it. I Don't get me that. wrong. I enjoy it, but there was like too much of the action too much of the puzzling and not enough of the scary. Like, yes, you got me some scary ass monsters, but you got to remember, you got to go back to what RE4 did, which there were right. times in which I jump out of my seat because <laughs> holy shit, where the hell did this big ass guy come from? Where the Kraken came from? I don't know where. And, um, and that game was like horrifying too. You know, like yeah. th like some of the stuff in RE4 was just creepy and just like just disgustingly creepy, yeah. which is good. Like it, it had this character to it. And I agree with you. I kind of felt like in RE5, it lost a lot of that. And it, it felt like I was playing Mission Impossible movie, but in a Resident Evil game. That's kind of what it felt like the whole time. No, 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 no. You know what was a Mission Impossible movie? RE6. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember when I went to Comic-Con and I got to play RE6 like before like most people did. Oh. And I just I'm like, this game is not fun. Oh. <laughs> like, this, this game is not fun at all. And anyone who's a big RE fan might just completely like castrate me. I did not think that game. I waited like at like 30 minutes in line to play that. I'm like, oh, this will be cool. And I came out of that 15 minutes later, like, damn, that sucked. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I had all this stuff from it. They gave you like all this like crap to take home. Oh. I think I sold it all on eBay as soon as I got back. Damn. And I, I was just like, this is not good. I mean, it was it's fine, but I just did not like it at all. Nah, you know what? I get what they were trying to go, but I feel like they were trying to to do the same thing as RE5 and, and try to do this whole crazy shit of movie style game in which like you got like five different stories. You got to complete one because it has a different ending or at the end it's like it all makes sense. That's a lot of crap, bro. That's a lot of crap to follow. And then it's going to get to a point in which you get bored. By the time yeah. you by the time you finish one character story and you get to the second character, you'll be like, uh, and then yeah. everything else has just felt like more action packed driven than it was scary driven, you know? And again, the of monsters, course. the monsters, they were dope. They were there. But again, which part was I supposed to get scared, you know? Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just quickly scrolling through here. I'm actually like, or I was, I because I haven't really played them anymore. I'm actually super big into like rhythm games, like Guitar Hero, uh, Step Mania specific. Low key, I am like a god at Step Mania. I just haven't played mm. it in, in eternity. Uh, mainly because uh, the laptop I used to play it on died. And died. so yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't been able to find the file Obviously, I could just download Step Mania, but it's there's a specific like file type for it that that's the only way I'll play it, and I can't find it anymore. And I'm just lazy, and I haven't found it yet. I also don't know if they make it for Mac. That's another thing I have to figure out. Oh, but 
Uh, if I ever, I mean, I could run it on Windows and it'd just be just fine. But yeah, that was that was the uh, the heyday. Uh, I was kind of into fighting games, uh, like Street Fighter, Street Fighter, Soul. I actually really like Soul Calibur a lot. I think I like the three dimension aspect of it because, like, I kind Mm. of think in three dimension, so I could really like understand like how to move in a space like that. Street Fighter was kind of in the genre of games that pissed me off. That's why I played them. Yep. Uh, That game is just so infuriating, and I, I. Anyone who plays Street Fighter to any sort of like competitive level or like even just like is any bit better than garbage. Like I I appreciate you so much because I do not know how you can like do these functions on these controllers at this like with these incredible timing. Like I can't do that. Like I'm good at rhythm games and I can't do that. So kudos to those people. They they deserve awards. I I appreciate watching those games all the time, like when Evo and stuff are going on. But no, I I can't play them. Uh, they, def- <laughs> they, de- they definitely piss me off the most, especially when you know once they got you, it's like no matter how much you try to push any other buttons or joystick, you can't get out. It's like you're already right in their combos and you're done for. You're like that's it. This is where you die. So right. yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. But I did. You yeah. know what? I did enjoy the Naruto games. I never played those. I heard they're good though. I played. I have all of them. Like from the first Ultimate Ninja that came from the PlayStation Two all the way to the recent one, or like mm-hmm. Ultimate Ultimate Ninja Storm Four. And okay. I I believe you're gonna you if you were to play Naruto, you will play Ultimate Ninja Storms. You will play it because their fighting style is like Soul Calibur. It's all 3D and. You know, it's not oh, like neat. 2D. It's like you go around and then you start, you know, you start, you know, strategically try to see how how do I approach you? Because there's times in which, all right, let me approach you very quickly. But if you do, I can actually pull a move that can actually trap you in that point. And then I got you sure. on my combo. So they're very actually good. If you ever had a chance, play the Ultimate Ninja Storms. I believe you can play them on that spots as well. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, and so then the only other ones that I saw from just diving through the achievement lists were uh, Bioshock. Woo! Bioshock was a lot of fun. I never played Infinite. I think I played like the first 30 minutes of it, but I actually didn't like it because I actually missed the sort of like dystopian underwater yeah. part of it. Uh, I've heard Infinite's amazing though, so maybe I just needed to give it time, but I just never got past the first like section of it at all. Honestly, I love more the first and the second. The first and the second one are great. Those yeah. are great. And they're so unique. Too. Yeah. Like no game has really ventured into that sort of like territory before. It's it just so many sort of unique weapons and just the way that the game just works. I, I, I thought it was just like a really, really solid game. What else? Assassin's Creed. I was yeah. super into Assassin's Creed. It, 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 I love Ubisoft to death, but that that they have to end that franchise. I'm sorry. Like they have to kill it because it's just it got to the point that they, it's the Call of Duty problem yeah. now, where it's like the first one was great. The second one was a ama- Assassin's Creed 2 was like a masterpiece of a game. That game is so good. I agree. Brother Brotherhood was fine. Oh, it was yeah, it was basically it was, just like it was right there. You know, it was like it was like the sequel to uh two. Yeah, to two. But it was basically like here. Here's Assassin's Creed two, two. Essentially, yeah. that's what Brotherhood was. And then after that, it was... started really going downhill. And mm. I don't know what it is. Like Assassin's Creed three, I just could not get into it to save my life. And the same thing with all the ones after. It's just like really. Yeah, I just I couldn't. The pirates. I just couldn't. I wasn't feeling it. Oh. Uh, yeah, just it, just the first one and the second one. I felt like were really good. And I don't know what it is about. Maybe I just got older. 
<laughs> I don't know. And maybe I felt like one and two had closure because they weren't exactly... They were open world, but they were closed open world where the worlds weren't like that vast. And when you start getting to like three, three was like super open world. Yeah. And then we started going down the, the paradigm of every game franchise trying to be open world if they could. And there was something wrong with that, but I think I was just getting older and I was running out of time in life, you know, yeah. to like play these yeah. games. Yeah. So I think it was almost daunting to start one of these games knowing that I couldn't really like experience all of it. So I just like, and like, I, I just never really liked the, the settings of any of them either. I, I really enjoyed like, you know, uh, medieval, like Italian Renaissance. I thought that was fantastic. Even like the first one as well. Oh, oh, um, what was the, was Brotherhood the one that was in like the, the Ottoman Empire? Brotherhood was after the second one. That's where the, the Borgia Empire came along. Which one am I thinking? There's a, Revelations. Revelations. That's, That's that Revelations was good. Revelations was that was the last good one. I yeah. knew I was skipping one. I like yeah. Revelations to the fact that, you know, they could have they could have closed Revelations right there and there and closed the, the story altogether because they closed the the Altair story and they closed the Desmond story. And then, yeah. you know, you, you ended up as the master assassin. Like that's what you were right. trained for many, many years, you know? I also like Assassin's Creed too, because you basically fist fight the Pope. And I just think that's really funny. <laughs> like what kind of game can you do that? Uh, yeah. So that's fun. And then Devil May Cry. That's in the category Whoa. of games that piss me off. What? Devil May Cry 4. What? That game just... That game just infuriates me for how hard it is. I love what? it. I love it. But it's just, oh man, that game pisses me off so how? much. I never played. What? How? How is that so hard? No, it's like when you're playing on like the harder difficulties. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus, if you're playing like um, Heaven on Earth or he Heaven yeah, on Earth. Yeah, no, Hell. I'm talking about that. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I mean. D Dante but must die so mode. Yeah. Right, right. It sort of has like the, the fighting game problem, I feel like, where you have to be very technical with like your moves. And that's mm. fine. Like, I prefer that over an actual fighting game. But again, just like that game just pisses me off when it's like when you're playing on the hardest difficulty, just trying to do anything. That game is just, oh, man, I never played five. And I actually if there is a reason to go back to play on Xbox. I've heard so many good things about five that yes. I actually would go back to maybe play it one day. I will tell you what, I'm a huge Devil May Cry fan. Like I got Virgil up there, like in one of the, the Virgil statue right there up there, along with my other toys with Sephiroth and Super Saiyan free Goku and Gundams and whatnot. Just to name a few. I played the whole franchise and I can safely say Devil May Cry 3 is probably my favorite one. It's the best one has that's there. And sure, I'd say most people would say that too. And 5 is goes second to 3. You know, 5 okay. is a phenomenal game. Like the storyline, how, how it basically answers all the questions that everybody was always wondering. Sure, sure. So they left it that close. They end the, the saga with the two brothers. And now it's like all the way with Nero. I mean, they did a fantastic job with Nero on this one. Like Nero in the Devil May Cry 4, I can tell you, yeah, he was he was like a little bitch. <laughs> Get it! <laughs> so he was less, less cry and more Dante-like style. Like he was like, Hey, what's up, uh, Cupcake? Your your ass, your ass smells so bad, man. You should take a look at that. 
you know, give those snarky comments to these demons that these demons, they just get pissed off. So the whole storyline itself is just good. It's overall good. The only thing I will say why I didn't put five up top of three is because there's one player that's the third player called V. I'm not going to yeah. spoil you who V is. I'm aware of him. Yeah. From the little I've seen about the game. Yeah. So the only thing that takes him, uh, takes me away from that is because of the the game mechanics of V. Like you're literally not like fighting fast paced like you were with Dante mm. and Nero. You're just basically letting your your demons fight for you, do the dirty work for you, you know? Sure. So like, it's kind of weird the fact that you're so used to this fast-paced, you know, killing style and subjectives and shit, whatnot. Then when you get to V, you're like, I just came, <laughs> I just came from this, like, sh- shit, okay, let me adjust this again. And it becomes <laughs> a back and forth like that crazy. And I was like, man, I didn't like that. Like, they could have they could have done way better with this character. But sure, I can understand why they give that character later on the story. I'm not doing any spoilers, but, you know, he's... He's a very important character that we all felt like, wow, okay. Sure. So Devil May Cry, yeah, I highly recommend you. Now, now there's a special edition that you can actually get and you get to play Virgil. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And Virgil in high dev graphics, like that's gotta be awesome. Bro, Resident Evil used an RE agent for seven. Remake of two, remake of three, and the new one that's coming eight. They actually took the RE engine from Resident Evil to Devil May Cry, and it's just like, my God, it's beautiful. Like the <laughs> graphics are gorgeous, and all that's the awesome. characters look like like you guys did a great job with with the franchise. You know, at least you know because it was like an up and down, up and down, but they did they did good. So I highly recommend you play Five Special Edition, whatever you get a chance to. Okay. Also, if you haven't played any of the Resident Evil games, the one, the like seven, the two and three, I highly recommend you play because when I play, because obviously after the disappointment of Sits, I was like, all right, I don't know what, you know what, I don't know what to think of. Then PT came. Remember PT? Mm-hmm. So obviously everybody's like, holy crap, Silent Hill, Kojima, Guillermo del Toro. And boy, that that demo was shitless. And then our good friends of Konami did what Konami does. Of course. Fire Kojima. They put him on the ban list. They put him on the ban list and no PT. And that's where Capcom capitalized the moment and put RE7. And boy, did I tell you, it took me back to the original RE games. Yeah. The one with the castle and the puzzles and then the scare jumps and shit and whatnot. The the knowing fear fact that you know there's going to be somebody behind you nonstop chasing you. That pisses me off, especially on game two on the remake of game two. The fucking tyrant, every fucking corner. He's right there. I can't escape. I, I have to like, all right, he's right here. I have to go to the other side of the building. To get away. All right. He's gone. Now I can continue doing. Let me do a little bit more of the tour. All right. I did something. <laughs> what the fuck? Why are you doing here? Shit. Now I got to do this again. And then. But I can tell you this. Play the Resident Evil games. The latest ones. You're going to have a great time, man. You're going to love. It's going to give you that old, old Resident Evil vibes. At one more. You know? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So I think if I went back to Xbox, I'd probably play. 
DMC five. I'd play that. Uh, I'd probably play Cuphead because that's just like another super Meat Boy game designed to piss me off. So I'd probably have to play Cuphead. Sure. Why and not? I never played Final Fantasy fifteen either, which I've heard. Boy, I have I have a story with that look, game. Oh man! Look, 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 look! Final Fantasy fifteen is a great game. I'm not gonna say it's the greatest game all. It's a great game. It, the problem to it, it's just, it's, I guess by like you and me, it takes too much time of ourselves for our daily lives to focus on this one game. It's right. It's a 40 hour play game. You know, like I don't have the luxury to play 40 hours of a game. And especially if I'm not that hooked into it, like I want to play it. I want to play so bad but I feel like I'm being forced to play this, then I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm just going to like, uh, have you? Yeah, I, <laughs> man. I remember when they first announced that game, I actually have like the first magazine where they debuted it and it was called Final Fantasy 13 Versus. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. And so this magazine is from like 2006 oh. when they first debuted it. And I was so hyped for this. Yeah. And then the next year came. 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 And then the next it's year came. Game. And then the next year came. <laughs> and then the next year came. And then the next year came. And then guess what? It finally got released as Final Fantasy 15 after 10 years or something. And at that point, I just gave up. I'm just like, I, I never thought that game was going to come to light anyway. And even when it did, I just didn't care anymore. That's like the ultimate like buzzkill yeah. ever. Yeah, I, I can agree to you on that because I feel that's that's what killed me. It's the the many years of anticipation of waiting to get to the skin. And finally, I got it. And it was like, really? I waited 10 years for this? Like, yeah. I could have played this 10 years and I'll be happy. Now it's just like, eh. and I can tell you the the problem to 15, the director, Nomura, he was also the director of Kingdom Hearts 3. And okay, so funny you say that. That's another thing I'd have to go back and play because that, that, that game suffered the same problem. Yeah. Right. Is that it was so hyped. And then when people played it, they're like, eh, you know. And it's like, I think if the games came out on a timely schedule, then they probably would have been over the top, right? But I think just so much time passed between when they were first announced and when they actually got released that everyone was just like, this yeah, is what we waited for all this yeah. time. I'm not going to lie. I went to Disney World in Orlando to play the demo. And for some reason, when we played the demo, we were so hyped and we played it. And it was awesome that we had to do it again. When we played the actual game, it's like, eh? Eh? And I feel like one of the reasons it's because Nomura was doing two projects at the same time. Well, actually three because there were he was actually doing... Final Fantasy VII Remake at that time as right, well. Right, So he right. had like three fucking different projects. I knew one of them or all of them was going to fail. Thank God the remake of Final Fantasy VII didn't fail. It was, it's brilliant. It's an amazing game. Another thing I need to play. The a, list is getting longer. A great nostalgic game. And once you play it, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know? But yeah, the the problem to Kingdom Hearts, the franchise itself, is that they wanted to capitalize on the mobile side games. Like they want to throw the Nintendo version, the PSP version, the the sixty four, like what whatever other versions. Like, and we're like, dude, you started with PlayStation. If all these side games, you could have done it in the PlayStation. Well, they actually did when they did the remasters. Yeah, but still, I feel like all those stories on those mobile games. You could have actually put that effort and put it into an actual good game, whatever good lengthy 
and then right. continue the franchise all the way until you get to the number three that you'll be like, all right, cool. You know, it was right there. Or but, if they just axed all those games, Kingdom Hearts 3 could have come out 10 years earlier. So that's, yeah, that's another just say. One. Yeah. But it, I, Kingdom Hearts 2 is a fantastic game. Though. Oof, that game was really good. Oof. Very, very well designed game. Oof. Are you played the, the H, uh, the 2.5 version of it? Uh, Probably not. I think I just played the original. Just like the Sonic Adventure games, extra content. And there's like that extra content that there's, times in which like you didn't understand a certain point a story from the two that extra content is like right there it's just like oh so that makes sense now okay now right. i understand why this is happening you know or this guy's backstory is like this you know you know kingdom hearts i don't know where the franchise is going but i don't like the direction that's going because 